Hey, if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and grab that. But let me just warn you, I'm going to be jumping around a lot in the scripture this morning. Usually I hang out on one passage for the entire time. I'm not going to do that today. So if you go to your song sheet, uh, that if you uh, scan the, the code coming on in, or if you go to gracehillchurch.com slash lyrics, it will also take you to that PDF for the songs today. I put all the scriptures in there to make it easy for you since we're going to be bouncing around. So you can make sure you pull that up. And one last thing before we jump in, and that is if you have any questions from what we're talking about today, um, I, what I encourage you to do is go to, uh, if you have your phone, go to slido.com, S-L-I-D-O.com, enter in code 917. We do this every week and you can submit questions and then tomorrow on Mondays, we go live at noon and we answer those questions on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. So if you have any questions, uh, please submit those there. And we love to interact with those um, tomorrow. So here's a question that I've been honestly pondering ever since this pandemic started. And we have started to turn everything into a virtual experience uh, and that is this, is how far are we going to go as a society when it comes to making everything a virtual experience? I mean, it really is incredible how many things right now are being converted into something that is virtual. So uh, of course, teleworking, that's been on the rise for years. Uh, people, uh, employers working on a remote basis, but but nowadays, people are buying tickets and in and attending concerts virtually from your home. Uh, people are getting their medicine prescribed from their doctors through a Zoom call. Uh, oh, most of our kids are in school virtually right now, and that includes PE class. I've seen some pictures online of that. Uh, we obviously have been doing our worship gatherings here uh, online. That's something we're doing right now. So if you're tuning in online right now, welcome. We're glad that you're joining us uh, from your house. If you're watching the NBA playoffs, uh, there's a virtual crowd around the court. It's kind of crazy. I don't know how you get in on that. But uh, there's all kinds of people who are saying this is, this is where our society is now. This pandemic has essentially jolted us into a society where everything's going to be virtual. This is the new normal, right? Uh, they, they say the commercial real estate market's gonna bottom out because uh, all offices are gonna go away from brick and mortar offices. Uh, I've heard people say it's the death of the sick day, that you can't take a day off anymore because you can always log in online, right? I've heard it's the death of the snow day. That like our kids won't have the joy of waking up to 12 inches of snow on the ground and having a day off. I hope that's not the case. I've heard church experts say that this is now the new normal for church. That it won't be in-person gatherings, but the average person will now primarily attend their church online, even after the pandemic is over. And so here's the question that I want to answer this morning, and that's this. What does God think about this? So we're, we're in the middle of a sermon series that we're calling My Blank Home, and we're basically trying to catch a vision for the kind of home 
that God wants us to have because we're spending so much of our time, so much of our lives are being consolidated into our homes now. Uh, Our workplaces are now at our homes, our schools, our churches are now at our homes. And if everything is virtual, that means everything is basically now done from home, which means boundaries have been erased and you can now be everywhere at once. So what does God think about that? What is this doing? Here's my main question. What is this doing, if anything, to our souls? Can we thrive as people if the majority of our lives become mediated virtually? Or has God created us to need in-person, physical, embodied presence in contact with other people? This is what I wanna talk about this morning because it's something that I believe the Bible speaks very clearly on. So here's what we're gonna do. As I said earlier, we're gonna look at a particular theme in the Bible that runs from cover to cover, from the first page of your Bible to the last page of your Bible. We're gonna go through all all scriptures, just, just looking at several ones really fast to see a particular theme that holds the entire Bible together. So if you don't have that song sheet up on your phone or device, I encourage you to do that because then you're gonna be able to follow along with me in those scriptures. And if you're joining us online, those will pop up on your screen uh, for you. But hang with me. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do a Bible study. All right, we're, we're gonna dig into the scripture. So I need you, let's, let's get our thinking hats on. Let's get our Bibles open or the song sheet out. And let's be ready to think through a particular theme in the Bible because this holds the scriptures together. This is gonna help you understand what God is up to, what he was up to in the Old Testament, what he was up to in the New Testament, what he's up to today, what he's going to be up to in the future and how all of that holds together. So that's what we're going to do. This is the theme of the Bible that I want us to explore. That's this, that God is working. He always has been, and he is right now, and he will in the future. God is working to have face-to-face, unmediated presence with you. That's the theme. God is working to have face-to-face, unmediated presence with you. And I want to show you this in the scriptures. Okay, so a good place for us to start, get ready. It's going to be Genesis chapter 1. The first chapter of the scripture, verse 27 of that chapter says that God created human beings, you and me, in the image of God. So what that means is that we are designed to have similar attributes as God and we are designed to display God to the world. And this is really important point for later on in the sermon. So hold on to this, but God creates us in his image and we get this picture in Genesis back in the garden before the fall happened where where God dwelled. He was with us. He was with human beings unmediated, face-to-face 
physical presence. There was a relationship there with nothing in between it. We see this in Genesis 3.8. This is right after Adam and Eve actually sinned. And look at what verse eight says. It says, and Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Because at that point, that was the kind of relationship they had with God. But what did they do because they sinned? And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. But so before sin, Adam and Eve enjoyed this in-person relationship with God, unmediated, nothing in between. Now they're afraid of God. They don't want to be in his presence anymore. But what we read really happens at the end of Genesis 3 is that God now needs to remove them from his presence because the Bible tells us that God is not going to dwell. He's not going to be in the presence of human beings who are sinful. So that's what happens at the end of chapter three. Look at verse 23. In 24, it says, so the Lord God banished them from the garden. You're out. I can't live with you. Verse 24, after sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim. So think of a warrior angel to the east of the garden of Eden. And he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. What this is saying is this, is that God not only sent Adam and Eve out of his presence. Hey, we can't be in one another's presence anymore. He made it so that Adam and Eve would never be able to make it back. He's guarding his presence now. So at this point, the fall is now here. So humanity no longer has any relationship with God not even a mediated relationship with God. We are separated from God at that point. But this isn't God's desire. This is not what God wants. It's not why he created us. He desires face-to-face presence. And so what that means is that God's gonna pursue reestablishing this relationship with his creation, face-to-face presence but God has a massive problem to solve. And that is that humanity is now sinful and God is holy and they can't be in the presence of one another. So jump ahead in our Bible to the next book, the book of Exodus. I promise we're not gonna do all 66 books, I promise. But go to Exodus. After God rescues Israel from their slavery to Egypt, he's got Moses who's leading them. And they come to this place in the desert called Mount Sinai. And God says, hey, Moses, come on up to the top of the mountain. I want to have a chat with you. I need to tell you something. So Moses goes up to the top of the mountain. And this is what God says to Moses in Exodus 19. He says, I want you to give these instructions to the family of Jacob, announce it to the descendants of Israel. I want you to say this to the nation of Israel. If you obey me, and keep my covenant, you will be my special treasure from among all the peoples on the earth for all the earth belongs to me. You will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This message you need to give to Israel. In other words, what God is saying to Moses is this. If you want me to be your God, and if you want to be my people, and you want us to dwell together, then you have to obey what I say. You cannot sin. 
And so what God then does is he gives Moses this massive law. Have you read your Old Testament? Uh, the, the beginning part of it's a bit of a slog. I'm gonna, I'm gonna admit, why? Because it is law after law after law of what Israel must do in order to be in the presence of God. But the problem is they're not gonna be able to keep the law. We're not gonna be able to keep the law. So God now has contingencies for that. All right, I wanna be with my people. They can't keep this law. Here are a few contingencies. Here's the first contingency right, is, okay, I'll come and dwell alongside of you, but my presence is going to have to be contained in a building, the tabernacle or the temple. I can't like be among you. So let's build a special structure that will be near you. My presence will be contained in there. There's contingency one, because the people are sinful. Secondly, at the temple, there would then be these priests who would do all of these sacrifices to atone for when the people broke the law. And that way God could at least be near the people in a building. So here's the plan, okay? This is what God gives Moses at Sinai to dwell with his people. You gotta keep a law, but because you won't, I'm gonna contain my presence in a building. And actually my presence is gonna be in a room in the middle of that building and it's gonna be curtained off with this really thick curtain. And you know what was embroidered on that curtain? Cherubim was embroidered into the curtain. What was that a sign of? It was a sign of keep out, right? Genesis three, we read about that. God stationed the cherubim to guard the tree of life. It's the same thing. You are not welcome in my presence. You can be kind of near it in a very mediated way, but in this little chamber was this, place where God's presence was. And mankind was not allowed in there except one person one time a year. And they had to follow a whole bunch of stuff in order just to go in there and make it out alive. And then the people had to have sacrifices to atone for their sins just so God would stay in that temple. So that was the plan. God was now with his people, kind of, but it's still not the way God wanted it. I mean, think about a relationship you have that you're really close with, you know, a person in your family or a friend. And think if the only way you could relate with this person is they had to be in a completely different building. You weren't even allowed to go near them. Much less you had to follow all these laws, check all of these boxes, do all these things perfectly just so the person would stay in that building near you. That's no way to have a relationship. And, and it's not the kind of relationship that God wants. And so praise God that the law and the temple was just phase one of God's plan to reestablish this relationship. It leads to phase two. And phase two is this, is that God himself, God, the son, Jesus would become one of us. See, the, the Bible says that what we need to reestablish this kind of relationship with God is a new Adam. The first Adam messed it up. He sinned against God and all of humanity is now sinful. So we need a new Adam that's now going to lead us into redemption. And so as a human being, Jesus came and he was without sin. 
And since he was without sin, he would be welcomed into the presence of God unmediated. And as a human being, that kind of access to God, with that kind of access to God, Jesus was able to do something that no other human being could do. This is Hebrews 2, chapter 17. I mean, Hebrews 2, verse 17 says this. Therefore, it was necessary for Jesus to be made like us in every respect, a human being, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. See, Jesus, even though he's holy and without sin, offers himself on the cross, takes on the punishment that only sinners deserved. And because Jesus is holy, because he has that kind of access to God, this is what his sacrifice does. It fulfills the law for all people, you and me, and it atones for all of our sin. So it was so powerful what Jesus did on the cross that at that moment, what happened was this, Matthew 27, 51. At that moment, the curtain with all the cherubim embroidered on it that curtained off the presence of God was torn in two from top to bottom. Mankind, through Jesus, was now welcome into the presence of God because we had now fulfilled the law. Not that the law was abolished, because we now were no longer sinful. We were forgiven of our sin. So all we need now to enter into the presence of God is is faith in Jesus. It's not a building. It's not a law. It's not sacrifices to atone for their sin. Jesus took care of it. It's just faith that he took care of it. So this is what Hebrews 10 tells us, verses 19 to 22. So dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the holy place, past the cherubim, Genesis 3. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, Jesus, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. This is God's plan to welcome us back into the presence, into his presence through the cross of Jesus Christ. And the question is, do we believe this this morning? Is is this something that we have placed our, our faith on to be reconciled with God? Or do we still trust in a version of phase one that I gotta, I gotta keep these laws? I gotta check the boxes. I gotta make sure I do everything right so God will be pleased with me and welcome me into his presence. Or do we trust in what God has actually done in and through Christ that he did it all? He accomplished everything that needs to be accomplished for us now to have presence with God, to be welcomed into that kind of relationship with God. But here's the deal. We've only made it through three quarters of the Bible. 
I'm trying to go fast, promise. But here's the big question, okay? That's the gospel, praise God for that. So what's happening right now? Like, why hasn't God returned, abolished sin? Why aren't we in his presence face to face right now? What, what, what is God waiting on? Why aren't we in his kingdom? Why isn't our experience right now heaven if we are now welcomed into the presence of God? Well, after Jesus resurrects from the dead, before he went back to be with the father, his disciples asked him this question. They came up to him and this is in Acts 1 and they, and they said, hey, all right, great. We did the cross. Everything's been fulfilled. When's the kingdom coming? Like, when, let's do this. Isn't it time for God to come? We'll be in his presence. Let's go. Acts chapter one, verses six to eight. It says, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore the kingdom? Same question. Jesus replied, verse seven, the father alone has authority to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know. So there's a plan to do that. It's not yet. Verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So for right now, what Jesus is saying is you're gonna have mediated presence with God. But Jesus is your mediator and he's the perfect mediator and he welcomes us into the presence of God. But our experience right now is not embodied face-to-face presence with God. But one day God is going to come. He is gonna renew the earth. We are going to experience that Not yet, because what God wants to do is he wants to establish this thing called the church. And here's where I'm going today. The church, what the Bible says is these small gatherings of people all over the world who live life together, they're on mission together to tell the world about how you can have a reconciled relationship with God. That's what Jesus says. You're gonna be my witnesses now over the entire planet. So here's the deal. The mission and the purpose of the church is to be the presence of God in the world. That's Matthew 18, verse 20. For where two or three gather together as my followers, gather together in person, face-to-face, embodied, physical, I am there among them. The way that the church spreads the presence of God allows people in the world to experience the presence of God is through gathering together just like this and proclaiming his word. Doing exactly what we're doing right now. There is something about followers of Jesus who come together in person, are present with one another that ushers in the presence of God. And so God has called upon his church to do this faithfully, to to gather together in person, to never neglect doing that as Hebrews 10 says, until he returns. And one day he will return. 
And the plan is, is that you will experience a face-to-face, in-person, unmediated relationship with God. That's the, that brings us to the final pages of the Bible, Revelation chapter 21, all the way at the end. Look at what it says, verses one to four, looking into the future, it says, then I saw a new heaven and new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away this place. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, look at this, man, this gives me goosebumps. The dwelling place with God is now with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Verse four, I love this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. In other words, God is working right now to have a face-to-face unmediated relationship presence with you, with your neighbors. This is what the entire Bible is about from page one to the last. I hope you can see that this is what holds the entire Bible together. God's desire is unmediated presence with his creation. And as someone who has been made in the image of God, you, me, he created you. He created me to need, need unmediated presence, face-to-face, in-person, embodied presence with God, with him, and with one another. Right, that's just how God has engineered your soul. So if you got a problem with that, you can talk to him about it, but that's how he built your soul to need unmediated presence with people and with God himself. And so with all of that said, it was a really long journey through scripture. With all this virtual conversion happening, around us where we are less present with other people, I I want us to consider this. How is your soul doing through this? Are you feeling this? This lack of presence with other people? Because it feels like, at least to me, like it's, it's weighing my soul down. Maybe you feel that, maybe you don't. But God designed us to need in-person presence with him and others. Um, Dr. Kurt Thompson is a Christian psychologist here in the area. He wrote a great article about this and look at what he says about our need of presence with one another. It says this, human beings use our bodies. I put this in your song sheet, by the way, if you wanna read along. Human beings use our bodies vis-a-vis our actual words to communicate upwards to 85 to 90% of everything we say. These nonverbal cues, eye contact, tone of voice, facial expression, body language, gestures, timing, and intensity of responses are the body's portion of what it means to 
be with others and ourselves to communicate what we are experiencing. We send and we receive vital life-giving exchanges to each other, and this does not require conscious intention to do so. Our bodies are working independently of our conscious thinking brain, enabling us to love and be loved, to be known and to know even without the use of words. This is why I love what we just read in Revelation chapter 21. Because yes, we can know God through his word. We can know God through reading his word. We can trust God through reading his word. But how much more will we know God when we look into his eyes and we see his empathy and we see his character and we see his body language and, and he reaches out and he wipes away the tear from our eyes. We're gonna know God so much more when we are in his presence face to face. God created us to be embodied people and our soul needs the presence of God and others. And right now we are living in a world where our presence is primarily being mediated virtually. And that is not the same as being together. Living in that world will dry up your soul to go without a hug, to go without seeing the empathy in another person's eyes and body language, to, to go without an, an ugly cry or an ugly laugh with another person. It will shrivel your soul. And so, so here's the deal. I can't speak to where society is going when it comes to the workplace, when it comes to schooling, when it comes to all these areas where we are now converting into a virtual experience rather than doing things in person. But I can speak for the church, at least our church. And God's word has made it clear that the church is not something that can be done in a mediated virtual way because the church is the presence of God displayed through the embodied gathering of his people, right? Not only is this vital to the mission of the church, but also to the health of your soul and my soul, right? I'm happy. I'm, I'm elated that our church, man, we've got the equipment and the people to use these virtual and online tools. But at Grace Hill, these things will never replace the in-person embodied gathering of God's people. I don't believe you can be healthy spiritually, physically, mentally, if your presence with others, especially with your church family is mediated virtually. I don't think you can be a healthy church member without, being, uh, without your normal experience being weekly presence with your church family. Now, with all that said, we are in a special circumstance right now. Our world is experiencing a global pandemic. And so in these special circumstances, it is wise and it is good to use the tools at our disposal to, to be safe. And so I'm not trying to say that as a, as a church body, we ought to just forsake all wisdom and move forward. But as our world moves at a rapid pace in the direction of virtual everything, we need to have knowledge and awareness of how God gave us the need for embodied presence and how God gave your neighbor the need for it too. 
and how God gave your church family the need for your presence with them. It's not just about my experience, my need, but what about them? Uh, we live in such a busy culture here in Northern Virginia, busy world, and, and, and all these virtual tools are gonna tempt us to have fractured presence with one another. And here's my fear with the pandemic. We are blessed to use virtual tools to be able to be wise in the midst of the pandemic, and we will do that. We will continue to do that. There's nothing wrong with that. But my fear is that this has jolted us into a new way of living post-pandemic to live as if we can be multiple places at one time, right? So I can attend church and get stuff done at the house at the same time, right? I can work and do a bunch of other things at the same time. Kids, I can go to school and also do a bunch of other things at the same exact time. And very quickly, I think one of the ways that the church is going to be disruptively distinct in the world is by being a people who value in-person presence and being a people, listen, who will give you our undivided presence because it's what our neighbors need. Your world is being consolidated in home right now, work, school, church. And here's the danger is you can be in one place, your home, and yet everywhere at the same time, which really means you're nowhere. And your soul is gonna start to feel lost and wander around as if it has no home. So church, as we bring this to a close, hear me say this loud and clear, as we look forward to our world coming out of the pandemic, Whenever that happens, the church has not found a new normal. I don't care what people are saying. The church will return to being together in person weekly. I'm hearing church people say, well, that the average person now will only attend church online. That's not God's will for the church because the Lord commands we gather together. The world needs the church to gather together. You cannot be a church if you don't gather together and our souls won't be healthy without it. And so here's something I want all of us to wrestle with today as we close. And that's just asking the question, how am I today prioritizing in a safe manner, in-person, embodied presence with other people right now? Am I caring for my soul by prioritizing this? Am I caring for other people's souls by prioritizing this? Or am I letting fear dominate the way I make decisions? Again, we need to use wisdom and practice safety, of course. But the goal of the Bible is God restoring unmediated presence with his people, with you. And we taste that, we foreshadow that through our presence with one another. Let me pray for us and we'll end our time in some song. God, this morning, as we took a journey through your scriptures, uh, Lord, I pray, Father, I pray that, um, Lord, you would just encourage our souls about your desire to be with us, your desire to have face-to-face -face relationship with us, that, that you are not satisfied 
with a relationship with us that depends on faith. That's what we have now, faith in Christ. But your desire, your ultimate goal is that we would have a relationship, Lord, where we are face to face. It's we see each other, not by faith, but by sight. Lord, we long for that day when our faith becomes sight. But God, I pray that you would help us to understand how you designed your church to operate and you designed it to operate by us foreshadowing that kind of relationship by being together, by being the presence of God in the world when we come together. So God, I pray for Grace Hill Church. I pray that you would continue to keep us strong. I thank you that you've given us opportunities to be able to be together in a wise and safe way. God, we pray that you would allow us to return to regular gatherings together where we could be together and and, and hug and do that in a safe way, Lord, soon. We ask for that. But Lord, we pray that you would help us to continue to have faith in the church. You told us, Lord, that the church will always survive till the end. And we trust that. We thank you for the means of grace it is in our lives. Help us, Lord, to continue to value it and to value being with one another. We love you. And in Christ's name we pray, amen.